I know He's the God of immeasurably more and exceedingly abundantly above, but I'm not feeling it. I'm not seeing it. What if the abundance of all joy, hope, peace is on the other side of you believing and having more faith and having more trust in God? Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. How many of you guys have received a WhatsApp voice note from someone who is a verbal processor? And they love you so much. This verbal processor, they love you so much that they want you to be part of their process. So as they leave their voice notes, they share their process with you. I'm sure we all have at least one loved one like this. Those who are quiet are probably these people. See, they, these people, they know that they need to share some information with you. They know in principle that they need to share something. And they have a general idea. But they need to actually speak to clarify what they want to say. But my goodness, by the end of their podcast voice note, they will have it. And so will you. <laughs> Typically with voice notes like these, one ends up hearing the same basic message stated in different ways repeatedly. Anyone know someone like that? Don't bump anyone. Right now, just put up your hand if you know anyone like that. And the more the person develops and arranges their thoughts, the more they become excited about what they are eventually sharing with you. The ums and the ahs and the you knows, and in my wife's case, the what what's, become less and less. And the truly special ones like to point out the obvious saying to you, this is now a really long voice note. <laughs> and they follow that with the word, but. That is similar to when someone says, I don't want to gossip, but. In other words, the but cancels out the fact that they know this is a long voice note. They don't really care. Next time I preach, I may share some thoughts with you about the WhatsAppers who value each phrase of their message so much that each phrase gets its own whole message bubble. And according to that, a, ping, a ping on my side. Hello, ping. How are you, ping? I'd like to ask you something, ping. This could be one message. But on a more serious note, as we get to the end of the letter of Paul to the Romans, we can look back and see so many subjects that he has touched on. And we also see which subjects receive more attention and more emphasis. In contrast to a WhatsApp voice note from a verbal processor, Paul thought long and hard about everything he wrote to the divided church in Rome. Partly because every word and every page 
made his letter more expensive. Did you know that? The longer the letter, the more pages he had, the more expensive it was to share. And archaeological findings show that the book of Romans, the letter of Romans, is one of the longest ancient letters ever written. So he was pouring his heart, mind, soul, strength, everything into this letter because every word literally counted. But more than that, he wanted to make sure that he did his utmost to bridge the divide between Jew and Gentile. And so we find that Paul once more puts an emphasis on the importance of unity in the church. It's something we've seen a few times as we've been studying Romans. Those who've been with us for the last few weeks and months, you will know that unity has come up in a strong way. And we find it again here at the end of the book. This year, those who might not know and haven't been on the journey, but I'm going to be open and honest about it. This year, there was an attack on our church's unity. But by God's grace, we've weathered the storm. And through the powerful teachings of Paul and Romans, we have definitely all been challenged to lay down and die to ourselves and the things that we think is more important than unity. Amen? I know I have. And because that is God's heart. Unity in understanding the one gospel for the one church. Now you're going to see our title and you're going to see all the message titles we've had in the following paragraph. So listen, listen well. Unity in understanding the one gospel for the one church, which points out that God's one standard, His righteousness, can only be achieved by one way, the way of faith, in the one gift, Jesus Christ Himself, in whom we have one baptism, and through whom we have access to the one glory and the one destiny God predestined for us. That nothing can separate us from the one love He has for us, that there's one seed in the promise, one salvation, one election, one body of the church, one authority we should bow to, and one judgment seat that we will stand in front of one day. It is unity around this. Did you notice that the series is called One Gospel? One Church. And every title has been one. One, 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 one. God is really speaking to us about unity and how important that is. In chapter 15 and 16, Paul winds down his epic epistle and starts to greet everyone. He drops some final important thoughts and reiterations that we should take note of and solidify in our spirit beings. And one of the main things we see in this final stretch is summed up in these two words which make up our title today, one mouth. If that sounds weird, you can, you can use one voice. But there's something powerful about one mouth. Chapter 15 starts with Paul still talking about not letting your brother stumble based on your personal convictions about food, wine, and days. So the first paragraph still has to do with what we discussed last week. He's just confirming that and telling us once again, and it's all tied to unity. Don't allow your personal convictions about things that are not as important to cause division. And we're going to pick it up in verse 5. Romans 15 from verse 5. It says, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind, 
Everyone say one mind and one mouth. Say one mouth. Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. The motivation for the message in Romans 14 we read last week was unity. Do not let food, wine, or holy days be more important than what Christ died for and what someone's salvation means. And compare whatever you think is important enough to argue over. So take what you think you should argue about and compare that to the magnificence of Jesus owning all things, including life and death, and that we will stand before his judgment seat and then decide, hmm, which one is more important? That's what we discussed last week. Now, Paul continues this idea of unity, but it starts on a slightly different train of thought from verse five. Notice that he says, now, which indicates a shift in his thinking. And it almost sounds like a prayer. He says, now may the God, so that word may sounds like, I'm praying for you. Can you hear that? And then he describes God with two specific words, patience and comfort. He says, our God is the God of patience and comfort. He's saying that as with love and grace, God is the ultimate origin of these good things. Did you know that God is the origin of peace and comfort? Real peace, real comfort. The only ones that matter. And we should know that what originates from God is the holy, unfiltered, original version of something. Is it, it is what God created it to be. So it's the, in its purest form. If you're looking for comfort in its purest form or peace in its purest form, it's, it's that which comes from God. Amen? It is how God created it to be and it gives what God intended it to give. So Paul is calling on God, the God of patience. Paul is now calling through prayer on the God of patience and comfort and he's asking him to grant something, to give something, to bestow something on this church. What does he ask should be granted by this God of patience and comfort? He's asking that like-mindedness toward one another according to Christ is granted. So may the God of peace and comfort grant like-mindedness toward one another according to something, Christ. The Apostle Paul, writer of the New Testament, the one who was a devout Pharisee, who used to be an accuser and a killer of Christians, he is saying a very special and important prayer toward the end of his letter, and he's asking that our Father in heaven bestow like-mindedness on a Jew and a Gentile alike in this divided church. We need to sit up and pay attention. And this like-mindedness that he prays for has a very important characteristic. It is to be in line with, in accordance to Christ Jesus. What does it mean? What does it mean when like-mindedness is in accordance to Christ? Well, one translation says we should be like-minded because it is what Christians should do. If you read the New Living's translation, it it paraphrases this to say this is what Christians should do. They should be like-minded. But if we bring 1 Corinthians 2.16 into this prayer, which says, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? I've got this on the slides if you want to add it there. 1 Corinthians 2.16. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who, can, who knows enough to teach him? But he understands these things. For we have the mind of Christ. 
Just say, if you're a born again believer, just say that, I have the mind of Christ. Okay, now say it like you believe it. I have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. So this is something quite supernatural. When I got born again, many things changed. I don't know about you. My, my life changed. Many aspects of my life changed. The main thing was the way that I think. That changed. Why do I say this? Because the word repent literally means change the way you think. Jesus said when he started his ministry, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's in your face. It's right here, right now. Because just three chapters before this, Paul said that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord, which is our reasonable and proper worship unto him. Remember chapter 12? And that through that, we can choose to be, to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? How are we transformed? By the renewing of our what? We can be like-minded if we all think like Christ. Paul gives us the standard of how our thinking should be and if we all obey and choose to renew our minds and think more and more like Christ because it's a daily process, it is a process of sanctifying our thinking to be transformed, then like-mindedness in the church is not a pipe dream but a real possibility. And Paul continues, because being like-minded according to Christ has a purpose. He says it has a purpose. It's not just to be, to think like Christ. There's a reason why. Paul tells us here to pay attention with the word that. You must always highlight the word for, but, that in the Bible. Because something is about to happen. All right? When you study your word on your own, in your, in your quiet time, in your prayer room, highlight those words and think why. Why is he saying that? That you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So why should we be like-minded according to Christ Jesus? So that you may have one mind and from one mind you will have one mouth. If you think the same, you will sound the same. Can you hear that? Can you see that? What would we need to be like-minded according to Christ so that we can with one mind and one mouth glorify God? We would need patience. And we would need to have able to comfort one another. Patience with ourselves as we each individually become more like Christ in our thinking. Comfort from the Holy Spirit to help us through the moments we fail. How many of you when you became a born-again believer got everything right all the time immediately from day one? Anyone? So you, you, you need patience with yourself. And when you mess up, you need to have the Holy Spirit comfort you. Paul appeals to the God of peace and comfort as he prays this prayer. Can you see that? And not only for yourself, but also you need to have similarly patience with your fellow brothers in Christ, your sisters in Christ. And when they may fail, you need to comfort them and help them. And God is the source of that peace and that comfort 
that can't come from your own strength. Amen? Can you see why Paul describes God in this way as he prays for the church? When we all as a church choose to be like-minded according to Christ, if we all choose that, if we focus on the fact that we have access to the ability supernaturally to have the mind of Christ, to think like Him, to process circumstances, to process people's words and their actions through the mind of Christ, through disappointments and celebrations, if we all have the focus to think more like Jesus, we will all be more like Jesus and be more like-minded. How do you make everyone think the same? You make them have the same goal. Have the mind of Christ. If you build like-mindedness around, let's say, my thinking, the pastor's thinking, it's going to be limited and it's going to cause a lot of problems because, you know, I'm not Christ. (laughs) But if we all say, we are willing to say, I want to focus and be like-minded to Christ and from that place be Christ to others, then we can start doing what the Bible instructs us to do. You see, we can't read this and think it's a nice suggestion. Oh, that'll be nice. But do nothing and not change. Amen? Do you all know about the term cause and effect? Cause and effect. If the cause is like-mindedness, then the effect would be that we will all glorify God with one mind, with one mouth. Can you see that? If the cause is like-mindedness, the effect will be a praise and worship atmosphere and a sound that glorifies God with one sound, one voice. Amen? Today, we will end this service with praise and worship in the music form of praise and worship because you can praise and worship God in many ways. Today, we're going to use the form of music. It's not just praise and worship when you sing, guys. Just so you know. That's one way. But when we do that, our sole focus will be to obey these instructions. To have one mind in Christ so that we can raise one voice to Jesus. I'm prepping you now already to be ready for that moment. It's going to be at the end of the service. Now, Paul continues in chapter 15. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ, you can go back to the scripture, Therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Okay. Here is giving a standard according to which we need to receive one another as fellow believers. Can you see that? How should we receive one another? Just as. In the same way as Christ received us to the glory of the Father. We need to receive other believers. Do you see that he does not refer to a mere mortal, another human being that that example? No, he refers to Jesus himself. We need to receive one another as Christ receives us. So the question is, how did Jesus receive each and every one of us who are born again? How did he receive you? He loved us while we were still sinners. He loved us while we were imperfect. It goes further than that. He actually loved us and therefore died for us and settled all our eternal debt 
before we were even born. In other words, before we were even able to say, I'm sorry, I repent. He already done it. That's how Christ received you. You've done nothing. How many of you that are parents can remember the moment you, you just had your baby and that baby just lies there, does nothing, says nothing, can't give you anything, and you just love. You just love that child. You can't explain it. If they cry, if they poop, if they do anything, you just keep loving them. They can create a mess. You just love them, right? That's, that's like a foretaste of the kind of love that God has for us. Can you see that? This is how Christ receives us. Now, Paul says we should, in accordance to that, receive one another. So how should we receive our fellow believers? And it's not just for the welcome team. We have got a great welcome team. This is part of their job is to make people feel loved and welcome. This is a great verse for the welcome team, but it applies to all believers. We should receive one another with unconditional love, a servant heart, and with pre-packaged forgiveness. What does it look like? It looks like when there's no room for offense, no room for unforgiveness, a lot of humility, and tons of patience and comfort. That is how Paul is instructing the church to receive one another. Receive your brother, receive your sister that you may not know, that might look different from you, that might think different than you, that might wear clothes that offend you. And say, I'm going to look past that. I'm going to receive you the way Jesus received me. Jesus received me when I was broken, when I was in a mess, when I was in a pit. And he pulled me out with his love. That's how I'm going to love you. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you don't say. I don't care if you're going to hug me or not hug me. I don't care if you give me a side Christian hug or a real hug. I'm not going to be offended by any of these things. I'm just going to love you. Amen. Let's continue Romans 15 verse 8. He starts this sentence again with the word now. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision. That is a reference to the Jewish people. He's become a servant to the Jews for what? The truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this reason I will confess to you, to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Okay? Jesus... It says Jesus became a servant. Jesus became a servant. Everyone say servant. Everyone says, if Jesus became a servant, then I need to become a servant. Jesus became a servant to the Jews and Paul gives three reasons why. One, to reveal the truth of God. What is that? I believe it refers to he came to reveal the true nature and character of God with a big emphasis on the fact that he is a father. 
That's what Jesus came to do as a servant to the Jews. Secondly, he came to confirm the prophetic promises made to the fathers of the faith. And thirdly, he came to serve the Jews that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Why would people who aren't Jews glorify the God of the Jews? Paul says, for his mercy. He says the reason they would praise him is for his mercy. How many of you know what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. So they realize a holy God cannot have communion with sin. And we are sinners. But God is not going to give us what we deserve because through his son Jesus Christ, we can have access to the same thing the Jews have been given access to. Not all of them have taken that access, but now it's through the Jewish people, the Gentiles have access to the same thing. And they see that mercy of the living God and they go, hallelujah. Can you see that? It's beautiful. Paul reveals that God's plan with his son Jesus has three main focus points and they are all rooted in servanthood. How much more do we not all have to get in a position of servanthood so that God's greater plans can work through us? Amen? I'm reminded of one of my favorite verses in the Bible, John 13 from verse 3. It says that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things, that he had come from the Father, and that he was going to the Father, took off his outer garments, he knelt down, and he washed his disciples' feet. And then when Paul said he cannot, Peter said he cannot have part of that, he said, if, you, if I can't wash your feet, I can't have any part of you. And then he said, wash all of me, like Peter does, like everything or nothing. And Jesus said, that's not necessary. Just wash your feet. But Jesus came, and he said, I came not to be served, but to serve. How do we get like-mindedness and unity in our church? We get, we get the mind of Christ, which is a, <clears throat> which is a mind of serf, servant-heartedness. Amen. Excuse me. All right. A mind of servant-heartedness. Let's continue. Romans 15 verse 13. He says again, Now, may. This is another prayer that I'm hearing. Now may the God of hope fill you with what? Some joy. All joy. And peace. In believing that, you know by now to watch out for the word that, that you may abound in hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you have been paying attention, you will know what I'm about to do with this piece of scripture. 
we find another prayer type statement like the one before. Remember, he just said, now may the God of peace and comfort. Now he's saying, may the God of hope. Do you see what he's doing? He's now appealing to another part, another characteristic, another source of something from our God in heaven. And once again, how many of you know, the hope that comes from God is probably the best hope you can get. I love how the word hope is English and in Afrikaans is it whipper. Whipper whip. We've got hopes of hope. Now, he says, may the God of hope do something, fill you with all joy and peace. Now, when I say to someone, here's a glass, fill it and they bring it back half. What will I think? You had one job. And you did half of it. Half a job. My kids know this phrase, half a job. Put away your, your pup bucky and the pup. And I come there, and the pup's still there, but the bucky is gone. Half a job. So if, do you think God will do half a job? If we pray and we are truly sincere and we expect that he will fill us with joy, do you think he's going to fill us halfway? Do we have an expectancy of all joy? Or do we have an expectancy of some joy because I kind of don't deserve all joy? Or I don't think he can. You're either going to think too little of yourself or you're going to think too little of God. Yo, that's a good word. Write that down. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In believing. What does it mean to believe? It means to have faith. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God filling us with all joy and peace. The God of everything that has hope, that is hope, him filling us with his joy, all joy and peace, is linked to our faith in him. Can you see that? Should I read it again? Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Can you see it? Yo, this must break open for you like, this is amazing. It's almost like his joy and peace is available it's, it's like ready, but only experienced when one believes, when one has faith, when one trusts in God. This is then followed by important word again, that. So I'm here to receive all joy and peace in my faith for a reason. What is the reason? So uh, it's for the God of hope to be filling me with all joy and peace. It jumpstarts my faith so that I may abound in hope. What's the reason for it? To abound in hope. How many of you would like an abundance of hope? So what is really at the center of this prayer being answered is our faith in God. 
So God is not just our true and pure source of peace and comfort. He's also our source of hope. How many of you remember Harvey's amazing sermon on hope a couple of weeks ago? I think he referenced this verse as well. Not just any amount of hope, but an abundance, more than enough. How many of you guys know that we serve a God of more than enough, exceedingly abundantly, immeasurably? Do you believe that? Sure. I know, I know that it's, it's easy to hear and say it's difficult to believe when the techie hits the tire. Because you go like, I know he's the God of immeasurably more and exceedingly abundantly above, but I'm not feeling it. I'm not seeing it. What if the abundance of all joy, hope, peace is on the other side of you believing and having more faith and having more trust in God? than you have in your circumstances. What if? Sure. And how is it possible that this abundant hope becomes a reality? Well, we see in this verse, it originates from from God who's able to fill us with all joy and peace in our believing, but then he adds that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that the Trinity is at work here? I love it. Now, in the rest of chapter 15, Paul explains some things about the reason of and the nature of his letter, his plans to visit them, to take an offering to Jerusalem and to finish work at the churches. There's a lot of just, hey guys, there's some important info. It's like announcements. So I'm not going to read that for us today. We're going to skip down into chapter 16. In the beginning of chapter 16, he greets a lot of people. He just says bye to that, bye to that person. They're so special. They're so amazing. Please go read it. See what his heart was for the people in the church. But I'm going to skip down to verse 17 in Romans 16. And there it gets really nice and exciting. He says, now, again, I urge you, brethren, note, those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. Now I urge you, brethren, note, those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned, avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, Deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. He's now speaking to the church. He says, this church, your obedience has become known. Therefore, I'm glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Who remembers that one from the 90s? Romans 16, 19 says, be excellent at what is good. No one, no one knows that song? All right. Be innocent of evil. <laughs> and the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. It was exciting. As a, as a, in the youth, we loved this song. And then we were crushing Satan. Here Paul comes back to the subject of unity. Being of one mind, glorifying God with one mouth. He's coming back to that idea. 
When there are people who cause divisions and who cause offenses, unity is compromised. Paul instructs to avoid such people. Avoid such people. But Paul, you might say, that's not loving. How can I avoid these people? But we have to keep reading. He says, for those who are like this do not serve the Lord Jesus. If you find someone who's actively causing division, then they are not serving Jesus. They are serving their own belly. They are serving their flesh. In other words, they are not fellow believers. They are to be treated as unbelievers. In other words, avoid them what? Avoid their influence. Don't believe what they are saying. We can still love them, but we need to treat them, we would treat the same way we would treat an unbeliever. I'm going to listen to you and lovingly talk to you about the kingdom of God, but I'm not going to let what you believe infect me. Do you hear the difference? Avoid those who cause such things. Paul says that God is their belly. In other words, they serve their flesh. They are known by their fruit, which is smooth words and flattering speech. How does one hear smooth words and flattering speech? How do you hear it? Someone uses their mouth. And they speak it. And then you hear it. Remember, words have power. Words are so important. Words start rumors. Words start wars. But words can also sow division. Or words can bring together and unify. Words have power. Be careful which words you lend your ears out to. And be careful which words come, come out of your mouth and from where it is coming. It is coming from, if, it, if it is coming from the mind of Christ, it will be uplifting and edifying and supporting the church and the unity of the church. If it's coming from your belly, your flesh, it will sow division and it will not be helpful for what God is doing. In a way, Paul is saying that division is a divided mouth. Different people in the same church saying different things, not coming from the same one mind, and therefore the sound that is created is not one, because it doesn't come from one mouth. The smooth and flattering talk sway the simple, he says. It leads people who may not know any better or who are easily moved by a passionate or charismatic person astray. A lot of Christians I find, especially who are young in the faith, they feel like I can't speak up because I don't know the word of God so well. So when you are confronted with someone who's a naturally good communicator, who's very passionate and charismatic, and they seem to know the word better than you do, your automatic response is to go, well, this guy must be right. Be wary of that. Be very careful. And if anyone brings into their flattering talk and the way that they are communicating to you the, any negative talk about anyone else, you need to stop that conversation and walk away. Because we do not break each other down. We do not character assassinate. We have the mind of Christ and we build up. 
If anyone has a real concern with someone, go to that person and bring a friend in and sort it out. Conflict will come. It'll happen. But that's why we need the peace of God and the comfort of God to handle those situations in a godly way. Amen? Then Paul says, For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I'm glad on your behalf. He is commending them for their reputation of being obedient to God's word. And he goes on with, But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. They are obedient, and he commends them and says, But... And he instructs them, almost warns them to be intentional about being wise when it comes to doing the right thing according to God and to be ignorant of evil things, to not do them or entertain them. And that's what we need to do as well. And then he's got this famous verse that made me go into song. And the God of peace, again, he's calling him the God of peace. We've heard him as the God of peace the God of comfort, the God of hope. Here again, he says, the God of peace will crush. The God of peace, peace will crush. Can you see the contrast? Anyone? The God of peace will crush. It's kind of weird, right? He will soon crush Satan underneath a rock. Underneath a boulder, underneath what? Your, who's your? To whom is he speaking? The church. Christians, believers. He says the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Once again, we hear he is the God of peace, but now he's doing some crushing. What's up with that? But it does make sense if you realize the devil brings the opposite of peace. And God is going to crush it. But take note, God might be causing the crushing, but it happens somewhere else. It happens underneath the believer's foot. How will you get something underneath your foot? You have to? Oh, first you have to do something. Lift your leg. Lift your foot up. You're not going to crush anything when your foot's like that. What does that mean? It means we have to do something. We are reminded as well in this, cha- in this part of the prophetic promise which refers to Jesus when God cursed the devil in the garden. What did God say to the, to the devil, the serpent? He said, you... Your head will be crushed and you will bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. That was a reference to Jesus. And what did we see? Jesus died on a cross. His heel got bruised. But the enemy's plan, his head was completely crushed with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Can you see that? Now he's saying to the church, The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. So we have a role to play. He says it will happen shortly. In other words, some time will pass, but it is in the making. And he says at the end of this is an appeal to unity and avoid people who cause disunity. To me, it looks like defeating the enemy, crushing his head under our feet, 
has, is a prerequisite for unity in the church. Knowing that that's what we're called for. What kind of church, this is an important question, what kind of church do you want to be a part of? A united church with one mind, the mind of Christ, united in one voice to glorify God, making sure that we all dwell in humble community, not putting our own preferences first, but serving one another. Is that maybe a church you want to be a part of? That's a church I want to be a part of. Or do you want to be part of a church where unity will make us, uh, sorry, no, a church that's divided is the other option. (laughs) But we all want to be in a church where unity will make us strong and we will be able as a unit to crush Satan underneath our feet. Or do you want to have a church where division is caused by unbelievers who say they serve Jesus, but they actually serve their belly? And they are tolerated and not avoided. I put my hand up for the first one. That's the kind of church I want to lead. It's the kind of church I want to be in. If you're with me, will you say, with one mouth, with one mouth, amen. We're going to get ready to worship now. The team can join me on stage. I want to, as we get ready, I want to read this final benediction that Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 16, verse 25. In the New Living Translation, it says, Now all glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as my good news says. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now, as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere, so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.